When is deactivation of an implantable cardioverter defibrillator appropriate? You are listening to ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Susan Dolan, your host, and with me is Dr. Sue A. Thomas, Assistant Dean of the PhD program at the University of Maryland School of Nursing in Baltimore, Maryland. Dr. Thomas, welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. Thank you. I'm very excited to be here today and talk about implantable cardioverter defibrillators. Give us an implantable cardioverter defibrillator 101. Okay, these devices have been around since about the 1970s. And at first were rather large devices, and now they've gotten smaller. What they do is they help to restore the heart's normal rhythm after the heart has gone into a lethal or deadly rhythm disturbance. So the implantable cardioverter defibrillator actually gives monitors the heart's rhythm and gives the heart a shock if the heart goes into one of these deadly rhythm disturbances. How has the technology evolved? Well, they've changed from just being indicated in those patients with lots of frequent rhythm disturbances to now, we, since 2005, we've found that these implantable cardioverter defibrillators can actually increase the survival of patients in heart failure who do not have any lethal heart rhythm disturbances that are detectable. How does treatment with medications compare to patients who have the implantable devices? Well, I'm going to talk about basically heart failure patients because that's been the latest avenue. With patients who have frequent lethal heart rhythm disturbances, there really are not any really good drugs at this time that will prevent those rhythm disturbances. So a device is really the only answer for patients with rhythm disturbances that are frequent. With heart failure patients, we found in the 2005 sudden cardiac death in heart failure trial that those patients who were given an implanted cardioverter defibrillator had a 26% decrease in mortality compared to those patients on drugs, both a placebo drug and uh, the uh, drug amiodarone, which is our most successful drug that treats heart rhythm disturbances. How many ICDs are implanted every year? Well, again, with the heart failure population reaching 5 million Americans today, currently there are about 1 million heart failure patients who are candidates for implanted cardioverter defibrillators. So it's been a huge growing market and a great change in the outlook for heart failure patients. Describe the type of education that should occur with implantation. Well, the patients, again, with, especially with heart failure, they should know about the shock. With an implanted cardioverter defibrillator, we are uh, monitoring the electrical system of the heart, and electromagnetic fields can interrupt the ability to give a shock and to monitor the heart. So what is an electrical magnetic field? These are the devices like when you're going in and out of a store that monitor to see if you have a a piece of clothing that you didn't pay for. That's electrical magnetic field. Now that 
field is not dangerous as you walk through it quickly, but if you see in stores, sometimes there's chairs next to them, and patients with an implanted cardioverter defibrillator should not be sitting near those. They can walk through them, but they can't be sitting there because that could interfere with their device. The other thing is most risks for these electrical magnetic fields are in hospitals because your MRI machines and other surgical devices all have these fields which could interrupt. So any patient going into the hospital with an implanted cardioverter defibrillator has to make sure that all healthcare professionals know they have one, what device they do have. And even if they're visiting other patients, they should make people aware that they have this device implanted. What are the implications for terminally ill patients? Yes, well, heart failure has different stages. And I'd like to give a little bit on background of heart failure. There's a class one heart failure. And those patients basically are pretty symptom-free. The symptoms we look for in heart failure are fatigue, palpitations, which is irregular heart rhythms, and shortness of breath. So the class one is not a candidate for a device. Their symptoms are mild. Class two and three have more significant symptoms of fatigue, the irregular heart beating, and shortness of breath. Class two and three are the patients who are candidates for an implanted cardioverter defibrillator. Class four patients have significant symptoms at rest, and with any ordinary activity, they have fatigue, palpitations, and shortness of breath. Class four is the end stage of heart failure. Now, what happens to patients that we've implanted a device in at stage two and three that has progressed to stage four? Now, that's where you're asking about terminally ill heart failure patients. Well, the American College of Cardiology, in its 2005 update for guidelines for the diagnosis and treatment and management of chronic heart failure, discusses that when patients get in stage four heart failure, in that terminal stage of heart failure, that the physician and nurses should initiate a discussion about resuscitation and of life procedures. And with that discussion, we can find out the patient and family's thoughts and feelings about resuscitation at that stage of their illness. And if they do not want to be resuscitated, then we can turn the device off without any surgery and prevent the patient from having the shock occur because they have elected not to have end-of-life resuscitation, then we would have to turn the implantable cardioverter defibrillator off. How is the device turned off? Well, actually, the doctor can just do it by inserting a small instrument through the skin, and you can deactivate it. If you're just joining us, you're listening to the Clinician's Roundtable from ReachMD.com on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Susan Dolan, your host, and with me is Dr. Sue A. Thomas, Assistant Dean of the Ph.D. Program at the University of Maryland School of Nursing in Baltimore, Maryland, discussing implantable cardioverter defibrillators in terminally ill patients. Dr. Thomas, what are practice tips for physicians and healthcare professionals when dealing with end-stage cardiac patients who have implantable devices? Well, most physicians and nurses are comfortable discussing end-of-life decisions with their patients now. And what we do is we, early on, ask patients and their families 
even before they get to end of life, what kind of procedures would you want if you were in a terminally ill state? And then, of course, as their disease progresses, we just have to, again, update ourselves on are they feeling and thinking the way they did a year ago. Well, a once-a-year check on where the patient is about their efforts to resuscitate at end of life is about what most nurses and physicians have been practicing. Is the issue of whether to deactivate appropriate for an ethics committee? You know, I thought about that, and I think that the only time an ethics committee would be involved would be when we had no discussion with the patient we have families who can't decide, and then we would ask the ethics committee, was it reasonable to turn the device off because the patient would have no chance of survival. Is deactivation likely to hasten death? Well, you know, in cardiology, we always get into this kind of standstill because you can't die until your heart stops. And if this device stops you from a sudden cardiac arrest, then it could prolong your life unnecessarily. But turning it off just allows nature to take its course. What is the nurse's role in caring for patients with these devices? Well, again, the nurse is the person who's at the bedside 24-7. So her role is to educate the patient and the family about the devices, what the dangers of the devices are, what the positives of the device, and get the patient and family comfortable and conversant about this new technology that is life-saving, but they need the education so they can ask the questions and proceed with their life without worry about their device. What resources are available to healthcare professionals who want to learn more about ICDs and end-of-life care? Well, end-of-life care is a topic that's broadly discussed in most professional journals now. But the end-of-life care and the ICDs, your most comprehensive resource right now, I think, is the American College of Cardiology's 2005 update on the guidelines for diagnosis and management of chronic heart failure, which really does go into depth about tips on discussing deactivating the implantable cardioverter defibrillator, the stage in which you would deactivate it, and the indications for patients who may want the implantable cardioverter defibrillator turned off. Dr. Thomas, what's your take-home message? I think my take-home message is basically that the implanted cardioverter defibrillators are life-saving devices. Like all medical therapies, patients and families must discuss their feelings and thoughts about extending life-sustaining treatments in the face of a terminally ill situation. We need to be able to talk to our patients and families about the view of a peaceful death. And with sudden death, it is painless and it is peaceful. So those are the kinds of discussions we would have with our patients and allow them to take the option of deactivating their implantable cardioverter defibrillator when their life is no longer the way they want to live. Thank you to Dr. Sue A. Thomas, who has been our guest discussing implantable cardioverter defibrillators. I'm Susan Dolan. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable from ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. Please visit our website at ReachMD.com, which features our entire library 
through on-demand podcasts or call us toll-free with your comments and suggestions at 888-639-6157. That's 888-639-6157. Thank you for listening.